Welcome to Beltalota, the officially unofficial podcast for The Expanse on Sci-Fi. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 4, titled Reload. Uh, what do you think of this episode? I thought this was the first kind of just, eh, okay, episode of the season. It's, All right. It stops. It, it's, it, uh, it has to kind of like get things set up for what's sure to be the next wave of crazy action and intrigue but would you say you know, that the expanse is reloading its cannons i would waiting for another volley of awesome episodes I, I would i'm not sure what show they're stripping from but uh you know uh yeah that's that's my opinion that battlestar galactica i think is the show they're stripping from <laughs> <laughs> they're raiding the corpse of Battlestar Galactica. Oh man, poor bad. They're they're always running low of, on f- food and fuel and water they anyway. Sure so man, man, I tell you what, the Holden he can he can uh, excuse anything. <laughs> uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, yeah. There's it's a foregone conclusion that Holden is going to help Christian. It was probably yeah. a, I'm kind of disappointed, but a foregone conclusion that Jean would would change his mind. The second Strickland showed some real progress. Uh, it's a foregone conclusion that the Secretary General is going to be a shit weasel. And mm-hmm. inspire Earth to—it's not even nationalism, planet, you know, militant planetism. Um, so they had to get that out of the way, so they can go on to, to bigger and better things. Yeah, I, I mean the the way that the Expanse tells its stories, uh, driven largely by its characters, is kind of a two-edged sword in that way, right? Like right. some episodes, you're going to have things that you're like cheering and saying, "Right on!" That's right. exactly what that character would do, and then other episodes, you're going to say. Well, like that's exactly what that character would do, and right. we got to watch, you know, the inevitable conclusion of it. Um, I, I do mostly agree with you. I think there are some highlights in this episode, oh, certainly sure. that are just a, a joy to watch. It's yep. one of those scenes that you talk about where characters get in a room and you just start to smile because you know what's going to happen here um, and how good it's going to be. Um, we'll talk about that scene. Uh, and I think the way in which they portray some of this stuff is really good. Like, yes, it's a foregone conclusion that Mao is going to change his mind, right? right. It's kind of just who he is. But the way he does it is so shocking to me. Uh-huh. Like, just the the immediate flip and the circumstances under which he flips. Well, see, that's that's where I want it. That's where I'm kind of like, maybe I would have been a little bit more positive. And, and I don't, I'm not saying this episode's bad, right? Like, because even in this, there's a lot of good stuff. Like, the yeah. Belter kibble was funny. The uh, young Martians trying to take over to Rasanati was mm-hmm. in- entertaining and something they didn't have to do, but it you know added to the thing. I just, yeah, I don't know. The Secretary General is just such a disappointment of a character, which <laughs> is not a criticism of the show. It's a criticism of, of the man, character, of the yeah. person. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, Aaron Wright, Aaron Wright is just such a fucking asshole and how he <laughs> clowns on Anna after you know, and, and, and while two million bodies are still smoking, is just unconscionable. Oh yeah, but you know, like it's you get you gotta you gotta have this stuff. Like you said, it's, if a character driven drama every once in a while has to catch its breath because you know if if these characters are just all action oriented, this would be you know an action show instead mm-hmm. of a political drama so yeah. you've got to you got to recharge the characters uh in between them doing some action and, and that was what this episode was sure hey before we get into the episode I just want to talk about things going on here at baldmove.com this week uh actually last week we dropped the last ever the walking dead podcast which yeah. if you're a long-term listener to bald move that's one of our very first shows and we had a fond farewell to that podcast had lots of it's a clip show it's a mm-hmm. clip show. We had lots of clips from old, old, olden times that was su- suggested, submitted by our listeners. It was a good time. So if you have affection for that show or our podcast, check it out. 
because I know a lot of people have checked out on The Walking Dead a long time before we did. Yeah. Uh, of course, we got The Expanse. We got our Westworld podcast. Uh, Westworld, ha- we have an uh, instant talk podcast immediately after the airing on Sunday nights where we do essentially a live call-in show. That's kind of cool. Uh, Quip is dropping this week for club members. That's the show where Jim and I make up a bunch of television shows, cast them, and pretend or and, and speculate what they'd be uh, about and hopefully they're funny or interesting uh also i've got to say that we will be at the con of thrones you can get tickets at conofthrones.net. it's a convention for game of thrones at dallas texas this year may 25th through 27th jim and i will be hosting a variety of panels we'll be meeting and greeting fans uh we will be interviewing at least one uh celebrity which will be kind of cool I'm not allowed to talk about who it is yet, <laughs> but we will definitely be doing that. Uh, Conofthrones.net if you'd like to get tickets for that. Uh, finally, we Jim and I are watching, or not watching, we're, we're playing video games on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash baldmove every Monday and Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Right now we're kind of doing a playthrough of the God of War campaign. Uh, oh, got my first Fortnite win on stream yesterday morning. <laughs> Uh, you can see that on Twitch or watch it on YouTube.com slash baldmove. And we also got an Infinity War review. It's a little movie, indie flick. Might not have heard about it. Uh, we got a review on that at baldmove.com. Check it out. Uh, I guess we should just get right into the recap, yeah? Yeah. Uh, early on, a pretty impressive science fiction scene where the Belter salvage fleet descends upon the LDSS Navoo. The Latter-day Saints starship, I suppose, mm-hmm. uh, with Drummer in the lead. They launch drones, which – so this is cool-looking, but it, I felt like it's pointless. Like, wouldn't you take control of the ship and then just have it flip itself and power well, – I'm not understanding you, why you, you need all these so. drone ships to push it around and shove it around. The only thing I can think of is they didn't want to pack it with a bunch of extra fuel so that – so that they wouldn't blow up all their fuel when it hit mm. Eros. Um, mm. So Did it run ma- out of fuel. Maybe then? it ran out of fuel. Yeah, it just okay. fired off all its engines and ran out of fuel. Uh, they also break into the main bridge, the tabernacle, mm-hmm. the the the. the, the it, it looks like the command center of the the ship, but it, it looked like it has like an Ark of the Covenant in the middle, oh, yeah. and it's got mirror like that. that I mean. So one of my one of my friends uh, in Indianapolis is a Mormon, and he invited me to their new temple. They just consecrated a temple like two three years ago, uh-huh. and it did feel this did feel very Mormon, like the whole. I think this is supposed to be like a dramatic a dramatization of, you know, Joseph Smith leading the Mormons into the promised land mm. of Utah, and like you know okay. how beautiful it was. I think, and it's supposed to like you're supposed to understand that this is another migration to a promised land, and that that's yeah. all. It feels cool. But it ain't the bridge of the NCC 1701D for sure. Well, sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's 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 letting us know that that thing we talked about in the first episode still still going on. And it is a mm-hmm. much larger operation than I would have given it credit for. Well, it's a very big ship. That's true. Um, and it looks like – I think the operation is so big because they're going to retrofit it on the way back. Ah, so what's um, going to be – I mean – So they took all the supplies out there in order to to get it prepared for whatever Fred Johnson wants it for. Yeah. Um, what are the Mormons doing? I mean, they, 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 they talk about how pissed off they're going to be, but like – are the, I guess I thought from the first season that maybe Mormons had been the dominant religious 
uh, you know, for, for, for a, a, lot, a lot of the 20th century, they were always like the fastest growing, you know, Christian sect or whatever. And like, I wondered, it was like, is the postulate that in the 24th century, the Mormons are the largest, most dominant religious organization and they could, they could, they could finance something like this or are the Mormons continue like kind of like a marginalized group and now they're like, fuck it, we're just taking off for uh the the outer the outer limits of the universe i i i, I wasn't able to figure that out because if they're the a dominant powerful force you know like is a mormon battle fleet going to show up <laughs> right uh to take the the, the take mildly vengeance on them mildly ah, interesting damn it that's right you know you've you've already read ahead okay fine fine just a little bit though and i i see this whole thing diverging more and more um i think there's some stuff that happens in this episode to bring it kind of back on track with the books, but man, they're really far astray from at least the stuff that I've read through the first three books. Okay. Uh, we then go to the Rasanati as they are preparing to pick through the remnants of, uh, is that the, it's, it's just some random, it, it looks like it's the, a, a battle near Jupiter somewhere yeah. because they're headed to IO. Right. Um, they say that the Jupiter fleet is close enough to rejoin with when they right. let these these other uh, Martian troops go. Right. So I guess they're near. They're in outer maybe around a sure. moon of of Jupiter. Right. Um. And and Alex is kind of uncomfortable with this grave robbing, but they need fuel. They need bullets, and these uh, damaged starships uh, hopefully have them. Uh. There's also a little bit of indication that maybe Naomi and James are are beginning to thaw out a bit. Uh huh. Some significant yeah. glances that I think, you know, eventually, uh, which that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like maybe it's a cheap shot to say this episode, nothing happens because there's even some character <laughs> development that happens. But Avasarala. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, it's very light on, on Amos. Maybe that's your it problem. Is, yeah. More Amos. Amos yeah. just misses the party continually <laughs> in this episode. What the hell? Our Amos is the party guy. Uh, Avasarala climbs into Julie Mao's racing suit, I believe is what that's, you're supposed to understand that is. That's her racing space oh, suit. okay. And she says, it's the skin of my enemy. Uh, and her skin of me? She essentially sets up her plot for the rest of the episode, which is forcing James Holden's hand to give her an open channel so she can get this information out into the political waters. Uh, yeah. She's betting that he won't be able to ride the fence and they need to give him a push. Now... I don't think she ever does. I think the Marsh, uh-huh. the, the Martian shit is kind of like a something dropped in her lap that that is the the kind of push that says that there's no way that Holden can just stay neutral in this war. Every action he takes is going to be pissing somebody off. So right, the only conceivable push that I could find is when she finally you know goes at him and says, "Look, you need to do this." Like if you're the person that I thought you're that your mother thinks you are or something like that yeah but she's played that mother card yeah like she's got the one card and she keeps playing it like i i don't know that's the only like light shove that i saw yeah but uh anyway uh what'd you make of bobby's declaration that she's wearing the skin of her ex uh i'm <laughs> i'm kind of surprised hmm. and and maybe not even fully oh of so uh so uh approving the how rapidly Bobby seems to be putting her Martian past behind her because I don't know maybe that's just gallows humor and she's being ironic or it's like a dark humor that she's wearing her old Martian uniform she doesn't feel like a Martian anymore because later on the episode she gives this impassioned speech about how she's looking for the true enemy and she got to know what true loyalty to Mars is and all that what yeah I, I think when 
she decided to help Christian, um, she really viewed that as like a point of no return Hmm. where Mars, regardless of how she feels about Mars, Mars will never accept her back. Hmm. Um, So she, you know, when she says X, she's, it's almost like she wasn't the one who broke this broke this relationship up. Uh, the see. other person did, and she can't go back even if she wants to. Right. Um, so that, that's how I took it. Okay. Uh, we're then introduced to the remains of the Kitta uh, Chinama. I hope. the I'm going to refer to it as KC yeah. from here on out. Okay, cool. Because uh, it seems like that's uh, uh, what, what her friends call her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a fast attack boat. Uh, and it looks like it got kind of decapitated. Its command center sheared off in the battle, and it happened so fast that its PDCs aren't even deployed, which makes Holden hopeful that they can salvage it from Buku bullets. Uh, and Naomi informs us of the stakes, where there's black boxes floating around and multiple automated distress signals, and with the proximity of the Jupiter fleets, as you mentioned, they have to work fast, because this is going to attract attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, question... I thought it was dis- I thought it was I thought it was pointed out early on in the series that the Rasanati was the smallest class of ship, this corvette that was outfitted with an Epstein drive. But this fast attack boat, which looks like it's smaller than a Rasanati, has wait for it, an Epstein drive. Uh-huh. Uh is is like uh, half of the ship got cut off at the command center, and this is just like the the ass end of it. Or I don't. Or is that I, just a, that is that it, just it could a be yeah production snafu. Uh, that's a good question, and I don't really know the answer. I'm I'm wondering if maybe a light, you know, a fast attack ship is not considered in the same class as the gunship Rasinante, and so... See, I think that, like, in my mind, a fast attack boat is like a... Like a it calls to mind, like, a... a like, like, like the brown water Navy in Vietnam, those little patrol boats that you could, you know, whip around up and down the river, and a Corvette yeah. would be a class bigger than that, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just saying, visually, they're not even, like, it looks like the Rasinante is about twice as big. Yeah, I mean, maybe it was a big ass command. That's what I'm section. saying. Like maybe the command section is like the whole deal. I don't uh-huh. know. Uh, so yeah, Amos goes down to find Prax obsessing over watching the protomolecule footage and kind of pondering who would do such a thing to children and what's what as he devolves so much as a person. Like, what's the worst thing that he could act, is actually capable of? And Amos is like, okay, fuck this. You need a job. You're coming with me to <laughs> to to salvage. Uh, yeah. What do you think about Prax here? Uh, man, he's leaving tools unsecured. Yeah. Again. again. Right, right. <sighs> I, I, man. Prax is a tough cookie uh, for me to crack, to crumble, mm-hmm. to read. I can't read that cookie. Uh, he seems to be in a place where he doesn't think he'll ever see his daughter, and yet yeah. he's on this mission with people who are hoping to find his daughter. Right. Uh, he's scared. He's This is so confused. far outside his comfort he, zone. He feels betrayed by his own feelings. Like, I don't know, man. Prax is a, a ball of just unreadable mass to me. Yeah, I thought that Prax and Amos were heading towards some sort of, like, bromance situation, but Amos also kind of alternately 
sees him as like a, I don't know, pristine natural beauty that has to be preserved and also just like annoyingly, hopelessly naive because like there's some genuine yeah. anger like Jesus Christ, Doc, what do we talk about leaving this shit in zero G mm-hmm. versus, uh, you know, and, 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 and also the fact that, you know, he's wondering like who would do this to children and Amos is like, well, you must have had a very different childhood than me. <laughs> Another, you know, continued hints. He's getting to be like Jared on uh, yeah. Silicon Valley where everything that comes out of his mouth about his childhood is just like, oh, oh no, Amos. <laughs> it's just no. big enough to where yeah. you, you get it, but you don't want to ask more. <laughs> right, right. Um, like, like would he look walk in on the last scene of the episode and be like, oh, finger painting. Uh, (laughs) I remember doing this in the streets of Baltimore. Uh Uh, But yeah, yeah. So he he very pointedly put them back on task. So the crew boards of of the disabled Martian ship. Uh, Alex and Naomi are watching from the Rossinati. Naomi volunteers, uh, since everybody's working hard, to make food, which she calls Red Kibble. Mm -hmm. It's a belter specialty that's hot and spicy. And (laughs) there's a kind of funny scene where Alex is like, uh, oh, you're going to cook? Kind of like with like, oh, this is a bad idea. And Naomi gets defensive about it. And he's like, oh, I'm so I I just I just what what I meant was that's just really nice gesture. Yeah, she's she's really defensive in this scene and it's not all about her cooking you know it's a it's about yeah like her place in this group and right she's trying to fight her way back and and it's weird to me that it happens with alex because alex is the only one who's shown her any kind of of ability to forgive but i guess maybe it also makes sense because if he's going to be if, if he's going to give her shit about this then like what would amos say because mm-hmm. it looks like like, like she's already made up with Alex. She's on her way with with uh, James. Amos, though, shit still broke. Yeah, and might not ever be able to be fixed. Yeah. later on in the episode. Uh, so Red Kibble, this this is <laughs> we gotta have this. So uh, we we had a creative assignment for Reddit last week. Uh, it turns out, which we'll get to in the feedback, which is essentially what would Martian country music be about. Oh right! Uh, I think we should have we we should we should come up, we should see what people come up with. What would what would Red Kill? Oh, I know be? what Red Kibble is. What is it? Red Kibble is just a riff on Red Beans and Rice. Yeah. Oh, it, see, it's I like thought traditional it was, Creole, but food that is that is adapted for Belter life. And I know it wouldn't be like actual beans and actual rice, but it's like the evolution. The Kibble, the kibble of suggested that dish. like do, like dry dog food, and that's what it uh-huh. looked like. Yeah. So like it's dehydrated beans, maybe. Oh, I. I don't even think it's real beans. It's probably some kind of <laughs> tofu, yeah, algae, algae, whatever they can scrape together in the belt. That probably has a lot of asteroid dust in it. <laughs> well, that's uh, we just we just I think we both we both finished the uh, uh, Artemis, right? Uh huh. And that like the the poorer lunar people eat uh, essentially al- algae paste. Yeah. Uh, and you, you try to flavor if you can afford it, you can flavor it. But I'm thinking, yeah, there's probably a lot of vat grown textureless mm-hmm. like like tofu on on like like te- tofu from hell kind of stuff lots yeah. of curry lots of spotlights lots of stuff that's like packs a lot of punch and and adds flavor economically yeah how was uh how was ganymede looks like it was producing all kinds of food but that was well see that was less for the belt and more for earth and mars no i, I pro- it's got to be more for, for earth the belt. why would the, why would the hell would the earth ever import food for mars they did because it was my impression that it, they called Ganymede the bread- was all alternating, or it was had the potential to be controlled by either side at any yeah, given yeah, moment. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. It was kind of a pawn that, like, Earth, I think, was using. I definitely think Earth would like to belters. destroy it because that would cause, that would destabilize the belt and Mars, who mm-hmm. are more dependent on it. But, like, that's one thing that, like, now that Ganymede is destroyed, like, if that's the breadbasket for the belt, I expect that to start causing a lot of shit soon. Because uh, people mm-hmm. should be starving. Um, they should be, yeah. And that's not a not a... Not a great thing, obviously, in space. You know, you don't have enough food, water, or air, and now you got even less food. Uh, Amos on board the KC has a bullet party, uh, and is excited. Uh, uh, Holden says that we should, uh, you know, get this thing running, uh, get the engine running, so we can kind of like do a running salvage operation, which has Amos excited about the pros- possibility of starting a uh, in- intra-solar system convoy. Uh, but as he's discussing this, Holden puts his hand against the bulkhead and he feels a vibration, which turns out to be a pounding, which turns out to be stranded Martian naval officers. Uh, turns out to be his own nose breaking. Which turns out to be his own nose breaking. He he <laughs> he salvages an ass whooping <laughs> for sure several does. of his crew. Yeah. Uh, but that's cool, and of course, you know, this is a, a, a ongoing gag that everyone thinks they're Martians because they're on a Martian ship with Martian spacesuits, and the, yeah. the young uh, naval officer, sailor, says, uh, you know, I knew Mars wouldn't abandon us. Mm-hmm. Too bad, they did. Uh, Bobby also doesn't like them stripping the dead, mm-hmm. uh, but is mollified somewhat by the fact that they're rescuing uh, stranded Marie- Martians. Now, I want to talk about zero gravity because i noticed in the beginning of the episode when they're first docking like they turned off the engines like the the care uh what's the guy that plays uh holden uh steven straight straight he's doing a little bit more of the floaty arm stuff but on board this stranded Mar- Mar- martian ship they didn't even try everyone's just laying on the fucking deck yeah and what what made it jarring is when the guy let go of the the wrench and then it just goes flying up like what yeah, and you look back to like uh, what they did with Julie, and in, in like the first scene of the show, right, where right. she's just in this cargo compartment floating, right. Uh, that's kind of what would happen here. I mean, I, I would buy if they like if they were all just like semi-conscious, like with their boots on the ground yeah. and their arm, like just like that, like like mm-hmm. I'm, you, you can't tell because this is a fucking podcast, <laughs> but I'm I'm kind of loosely holding my arms at shoulder level with my wrist limp. Yeah, that's all you got to do to sell this, man. That's all you got to do. You can't have people just racked out on one surface of the deck. Yeah, like it. It makes it. It, it makes your him. It makes your showy CGI hammer or whatever that look look dumb. Again, mm-hmm. coming from place of love. These are some tweaks. I like. I like Stephen. <laughs> you know, doing the kind of floaty arm thing. More of that. Yeah. Less of the kind of lazy, just throwing Marines on the ground and saying it's zero G. Uh. Anything else we want to talk about before we move on to Earth? Nope. Final conflict. Maybe. Maybe. Gene Roddenberry is right. Just 20 years, 20 years too late. Uh, the UN is uh, called an emergency session, the General Assembly. Uh, Anna is obsessing over the death toll, which has now reached 1.9 million and increasing. Uh, and the Secretary General delivers essentially a shitty bellicose version of the speech that she wrote, which seems mm. like it was going towards... Humanity should be united because we're all humans, damn it. Yeah. Uh, but he is using that as a as a cause for war to unite all humanity under one flag, and she meant it for like a call to like peace and brotherhood. Uh, and Ernwright smugly mocks her for her help. Uh, is war the- ever a uniting 
force. I mean, ask Genghis Khan. I mean, it. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's like, doesn't it just instill anger in the population, which is conquered? I mean, it's like, short I, term, but like it is short term. Like, like the Roman Empire. Like, but like when you, we say short term, we mean probably multiple generations. You know, like this proto molecule shit is not going to be dealt with right before the Martians get angry. Or by it's the weird. time the Martians, how much do you hate Japanese people? Zero uh, percent. So, how many generations are removed from World War Two? Uh, two, two or th- two, pr- and, and, probably. And honestly, yeah. I doubt there was a lot of like baby boomer generation that hated the Martian, the the Japanese as well. Like I, I think that happens faster than you think. Maybe so. Like think about like the Japanese and Germans were the big fucking no mm-hmm. shit bad guys. Oh, I still hate Germans. Of all time, Germans hundred. Germans really? Yeah, Japanese zero oh. percent. Germans hundred percent. You do know I'm German American, right? Oh yeah. Is that is that the is that the is that the tension <laughs> that drives this podcast? Uh, I don't know. I think I feel like it happens. Like if you if if it's a decisive victory, then and then you then like you know build some fucking roads and hospitals and schools and lift the other person off the ground and yeah. you know whereas obviously one of the reasons World War One became World War II is because that didn't happen. It wasn't so much a decisive victory as a long, bitter war of attrition, and then we just fucked, fucked the, the, uh, the, the, the they weren't the Axis powers then, right? The bad uh, guys. Yeah. Germany bad, and Hungary guys. and all, wh- wh- whoever was all in line. I, I feel like you get one world war to be an yeah, asshole, Yeah, but if you take two world wars and you're the <laughs> asshole in both, then sorry, you can't. Uh, yeah, I... I, I don't know that uh, Aaron Wright is going to allow Earth to be a benevolent conqueror. Mm-mm. Under his watch, it will certainly be more of an occupation kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, more along the lines of Cylons occupying Caprica. Well, the idea that, like, this is Martian insistence on independence is some kind of unreasonable demand. Like, I don't know, man. They're on a whole separate fucking planet. Mm-hmm. They're on a whole separate planet. Like, if they're not, like, it's one thing to have a globe, but, but like, you know, is Mars, I guess Mars was a colony of Earth, but that's how, yeah. like, I, it just. Th- that's how that, every colony starts. Yeah. And, like, this is the 24th century. Like, we've gone uh-huh. through hundreds of years of this. Like, you could just crack open a history book and see, like, okay, this is what happens with colonial empires. Yeah. And, oh, right. This is when they start rebelling because. Uh, they we've grown out of touch with them, and they've got concerns are unique and different, and we're not able to address it, and we just take from them and don't give anything back, and oh yeah, now we're being kicked out of the country. And I, I mean, I guess maybe Earth has forgotten that lesson because yeah. they've been unified to right. some degree, and we don't know like the, the what the educational standard is for Earth. I mean, obviously, yeah, there's a whole underbelly of Earth where people are kind of miserable and just subsiding, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know. Uh, it's also kind of curious, like, that throughout this episode, Earnwright as- asserts that the Secretary General has unprecedented support. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't jive with the protests that we saw in the first of the season. Sure. Is he talking about I think, uh, support for the political elites or support yes. of Earth, period? I think he's talking about the the policymakers here. On the other hand, there's nothing that will make a protest go away like, you know, uh, a hostile foreign power nuking two million of your civilians. Like, just obliterating yeah. a city. Mm-hmm. Like, I've, you know, we've seen that in our own country where, you know, wartime losses or, or people being, civilians being killed has a way of stiffening one's backbone uh, and accepting bullshit from the government. Uh, let's see. Do we need to talk anything more about this? I don't think so. Aaron, Aaron Wright. What an asshole. Yeah, he is. 
Uh, on IO, Jean-Pierre wants to know if the evacuation operation is on schedule. I have a lot of questions about this. I think Mal's plan is to take all the data, all the computers, and all the children on his private shuttle okay. and then surrender the facility formally to the Agatha King. Because hmm. he specifically says something about a wait for the Agatha King to arrive. Um, now... I guess that's Aaron. That's you know that that makes sense because Aaron writes, boy, I forget the the admiral that that that. Uh, oh yeah, uh, Wynn. Wynn, Admiral Wynn, who mm-hmm. kind of like strong arm Souther. He's coming to investigate this and take uh, possession of Proto Molecule. Mm-hmm. And Mao looks like he's going to essentially stop him from doing that. He's going to try to flee. In in this part of the scene, yeah, or this part of the episode, I mean, it's kind of yeah, irrelevant because at I the end of the so. episode, none of right. this is going to happen. He, he changes his mind, but uh, I think that's what the plan was. Mm-hmm. Uh, Strickland storms away as he mutters a bunch of bullshit about standing in the way of science and shrinking from a great moment, and checks on K- Katoa, who's speaking in a weird kind of computer voice, and yeah. l- looks like he's full on proto molecule at this point. He, he uh, looks like a glowing zombie, essentially. Yeah. And he ominously says it's time to switch him from the serum injections to mass injection. He's going to cultivate mass. Well, he he's looking kind of thin, but he's <laughs> he's a young boy. Just give him some time. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and he looks at Strickland and says it's beautiful, but he sees like Strickland's in, inner organs and brains and neural pathways. Yeah. Which is his energy, I guess. Yeah. Which, which you know, more on that later. Let's, uh-huh. let's say. Uh, so the Rossi and her sh- and the ship get underway. Uh, gets the Casey underway, and they've got this now three, well, two and a half ship convoy. Uh, as the Martians are being worked over in the med bay, uh, there's three Martians surviving, and they are very plucky young people <laughs> uh, who are no fools. And they quickly piece together this very irregular crew and figure out who. I mean, I guess this would be big news on Mars that some Earther has yeah. stolen a Martian Corvette. The Tachi, yep. Yep, and, you know, Bobby Draper is probably fucking infamous. Like, they, uh-huh. they, they, they know they're, they're, they're up to date on their news, man. Uh, Alex offers to hang back as the resident Martian to smooth things over, and Holden also encourages Bobby to check on them as well. But she's skeptical that they'll approve of her deserted, deserted ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of the Martians here? I thought... They were reasonable young soldiers. Like, yeah, like they're like eighteen-year-old yeah. punks, and they're kind of pimply, and they're kind of awkward. And, but and I'd that be was frightened, right? In their situation too. Yeah, that that seems the that worked for me. Yeah, uh, like you know they've just been through a hellish experience. They're young. They're inexperienced. They already like the the the. Less bad, the, the least backbone having of them. Uh, mm-hmm. Mentioned like all of his training went out the window during the disaster, so they're they're pretty raw. Uh, and I, I liked it. I, I mean, like James Holden is an enemy of the state. Yes, right. I mean, he is he's as, a man without as a country. Far as Mars is concerned, a terrorist um, and a thief. And they realize now that they're in the belly of the beast. Like, yeah. What if you know you were on a ship, let's say. Let's ground it a little more. A boat, and you were sinking, uh, and Osama bin Laden pulls up next to you in a boat <laughs> and says, 
and, and takes you on board, and you just wake up on his boat. Right, right. It's like, oh, it's like, holy fuck. shit! You're Osama bin Laden, and you stole the USS Ronald Reagan. He's, right, he's got our largest air, the Indianapolis. You, yeah, yeah, sure. Stole that thing. I would have, and, I'd have some, I'd have some moral quandaries. Sure. Yeah, and it'd be a scary experience, and, and you would want to get off as quickly as possible. And Bin Laden's like, look, man, I know what you've heard, but it's way more complicated. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've got fucking Donald Rumsfeld in the back, and he's got a tape <laughs> of Dick Cheney threatening shooting the someone in the face with a shotgun, <laughs> about some kind of weapon of mass destruction. Suddenly, my head's exploding. Yeah. Yeah. Like. I, I, I was getting at is like these guys are kind of geeky and gangly and all that kind of stuff, yeah. but that's I think that that's part of their their the charm mm-hmm. of their character. I'm actually kind of I'm kind of I, I kind of miss them. I was hoping though we'd keep one or two of them. Uh, keep collecting crew members. Um, anyway, Christian watches uh, Sorrentino's speech. Well, I guess that's the guy's name. That's Secretary General Sorrentino. Yeah, I know him as Esteban. Esteban Sorrentino. I, I, we're on a first name basis. Esteban and I. Very good. Me too, Esteban. I'm bringing him into the fold. Mm-hmm. Uh, she watches speech and notices Anna's dismay in the audience. But yeah, no, I, I like the fact that Space CNN is like, you know, a, 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 their producers are like, look, look, uh, the, the Secretary General's closest advisor is having a literal cow in the audience. Mm-hmm. Let's get a close up of her face. Yeah. Um, which gives Christian an idea. Uh, also, if we didn't suspect before, uh, we have multiple people's reaction to the idea of eating Belter food. Mm-hmm. And we're getting an idea. Like, I think Bobby tries it here, and she makes a face, and she's a Marine. And she's a Martian, more yeah. importantly. Martian Marine. Like, Martians don't eat the greatest stuff either. Right. <laughs> like, it might be a step above Belter food, uh-huh. but, you know, uh, this it's is a woman who wolfed much. down cucumber sandwiches mm-hmm. like they were going out of style. Yeah. So, I think cucumber sandwiches are meh. I yeah. wouldn't eat them by the plate full. So she's not picky is what I'm getting at. And she's saying this food, <laughs> not not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, on board the KC, Prax and Amos continue stripping for parts. Uh, Prax kind of disrespectfully shuffles a body onto the ground like it's a sack of potatoes at, to grab the last ammo din. And it shocks Amos. Yeah. Like, this is where, like, I feel like he's switching into, oh, this is a pristine national park that we must we must treasure and protect. Like, he's disturbed that Prax is just turning into essentially him, I guess. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, isn't that what Amos has wanted? Not like this? I think he wanted some happy medium. Uh, and he sees maybe Prax going a little too far yeah. in, in, in his direction. As I like to say, the opposite of crazy is crazy. Yeah. So you, you, you want to get that pendulum in the middle there. And the you, opposite you too, of, Amos. of unfit for space is also unfit for space. <laughs> uh, and, and I think Amos was trying to bring him... To where he could survive in the crew of the Rocinante, but now he's maybe getting a little too good at this right. survival thing and cutting himself off from everything. Right, right. Uh, so next scene, Alex tries to choke down Belter food uh, with the, the Martians that are not in prison but confined to quarters. Uh, they start provoking him about you know the fact that he's wearing a Martian uniform. Uh, which he bristles at because he sees that he's got the right to. He served 20 years in mm-hmm. the Martian military and is honorably discharged so they can suck his space penis. Traded his family for this. Yes, uh, in a very real way. Uh, things get a bit out of hand. He pulls a gun on him, and he gets beat down yeah. as the one unconscious Martian wakes up. And, yeah, they just, this is, it's three on one. It's, a, it's, it's bang, bang, punch, punch, and Martians are vowing to take the ship. And I'm like, okay. Because here's the thing. This is all fine and diverting, but at no 
point did I ever think that they were going to possibly be able to take over the Rasanati? Sure. <laughs> like, yeah. okay, you know, but it's like, okay, we'll see how this plays out. We'll see, because there's, the, you can tell this story, and there's stupid ways to tell it, and there's cool ways to tell it, and I think we got 90% of the cool way. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, so, yeah. I, I just, I wish Alex didn't have to take a beating to for it to happen, because yeah. it's a pretty vicious beating. Yeah. Although, uh, he looks less fucked up than Holden, because Holden took it right. all on the nose. <laughs> he did every shot to he, the, the nose. Holden's is like a blade of armor on his face, because, <laughs> my God, he got fucked up. My notes say, I think Amos will have something to say about this. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the takeover of the ship, which I'm actually surprised he really didn't. No. He had nothing to say about no, it. No, to, to everyone's disappointment, honestly. Yeah. Uh, Christian appeals to Holden's decency and says, you know, we can stop this insane war based on a lie. Uh, and she's disturbed because she sees evidence from that speech that the secretary general gave the Aaron Wright's now running things and he won't stop until both earth and Mars are smoking rubble. Is that true? I feel like that's a little to, he might fuck around either or both. I yeah. think is what she says. Cause like, I don't. He's, he's going to go down swinging, or he's going to destroy Mars. Now that Mars has lost his first strike capability, I don't know how they win. Yeah. Because, like, it always felt like a bit of a pipe dream, like Bobby, like, storming, like, Martian storming Earth. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, there's 20 billion people living on that planet. So how would that work exactly? How many Martians do you think you could land, even if you have power armor? Yeah. Like, the average, like, like the average earther is going to be three times stronger than a martian mm-hmm. it's like trying to take over a race of amazons i don't know uh yeah I, I i wonder when they'll address the geopolitical reality because like maybe mars rules space and earth you know like it's like it's going to be even a more cold war mm-hmm. and obviously you can't say anything because you've read the books uh anyway she points out that they've uh you know what we all saw that anna's uncomfortable with this and they have a shared history and she's not a stooge of aaron Wright, so they can uh give her this message and she'll be a back channel with direct access yeah it's uh, a pretty good plan now uh, i love hearing christian call esteban a bobblehead again right like, that's always a good time the jing is weird to hold and just agrees to help her there's no vote there's no like discussion with the crew it's just I mean, I guess he is the captain. He, yeah, he's the de facto captain at least. Um, and I, I, it doesn't take them off mission, off what they said they're already going to do. So I suppose I'm okay with the unilateral decision. But yeah, it is a little surprising. And they're doing some tricky sci-fi things to help hide the origin. They're talking about bouncing it off certain satellites and repeaters to kind of disguise the origin. Yeah. Um, but it causes uh, you know him and Naomi to get into a bit of a fight because she says this is how it always starts. You can't trust her, and he says I can't trust you. But at least I understand what she is. Sick burn and really kind of wounds Naomi. Uh, suddenly the Martians frog march Alex up to I think it's the gunnery deck. Uh, yeah, it's I thought it was the command deck. I thought that's where oh is that the command deck and then what Alex sits in that's it's like the pilot, the pilot deck? deck. Yeah, okay. there's okay. it seems like there's three decks to this thing. Okay, um, but whatever deck that is, they frog march him up there and try to get Naomi to help them take over the ship, which she reasonably objects and says, <laughs> "Job one is to get my crew back because I ain't doing anything until then." Uh, and they're of course very skeptical about her resistance. Uh, they send one of their Martian friends to go raid the armory, but fortunately he can't find the bullets. 
and Holden walks in on him, dry firing a rifle at him, <laughs> and they have a brief but intense bout of space jujitsu that Holden wins <laughs> at the expense of half his face. Uh, yeah, uh, so pretty good action. Pretty good. What? Pretty good. I mean, like I'm used to like I grew up in Star Trek where yeah, like yeah. like the coolest a fist fight ever got is when they laced fingers and <laughs> yeah. they, they double fisted a Klingon in the back and the hammer lit, of Kirk. Like that's yeah, <laughs> yeah. and, and that it, it's it later became the ha- like Picard didn't do the hammer very much, but you know no. Cisco. Cisco and Kira, yep. they love the fucking hammer. Love the fucking <laughs> hammer. Like, I'm actually seeing some p- competent mixed martial arts going on here. Yes. I, I'm very I'm very happy. Very uh, happy. So, I, I thought it was a, an awesome fight, aside from one thing, which is, why does this Martian soldier pick up a gun that he knows is empty and try to fire it at Holden? Why doesn't he use it as Instant? the threat? Yeah, it's true. Like, the if threat he just hold- is there without the ammo, the... The killing blow is not. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'd say it's instinct because well, how would that play out? He hold, holds gun, it's like, and Holden's like, "That's not loaded." We don't. Do keep you know where the loaded. ammo is? And yeah. then like the guy's like, "Oh, you want a better?" I guess, man, maybe you could play it out like that. I mean, it's a better threat than just trying to fire and not having it work. It does seem like, like I said, I love the fact that this does seem like a bunch of eighteen-year-old Martians hopped yeah. up on adrenaline and running low on sleep and recently gone through. Like, it does seem like the kind of plan they'd hatch up. And it goes about the way you'd expect it to, so yeah, that's why I don't mind it. Like it'd be a whole different thing if like Bobby and her Force Recon Marines were in this position, but they're not. Uh, he then goes and crashes the Martian party with a lo- with a, a, a loaded gun. He reveals that he sent a master alarm, so the Amos is going to be coming running. And boy, if the Martians knew what that meant, they <laughs> they would they, they, they would have a whole different mean. Yeah, no, this is one of those scenes where. This is the one I was talking about earlier, where yeah, you just sit back good. and smile. You're yeah. just like, this is exactly what Here I want. Here comes Amos with the wrench. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then when Bobby steps into the picture, it's oh, like, God. oh, fuck, And yeah. she's just like, because like, this female Martian just not having any of their shit, and she's got Alex, and Bobby just comes in and it's like, you know, what's what's the ruckus, fellas? Uh-huh. Um, and and they they kind of establish Bobby, as a, in my mind, as more of a badass, because I, I thought she's a Martian Marine, and I associate that with Earth Marines, so it's like, you know, someone says they're in the Army, National Guard, you never know. They could just been wrenching helicopters or fucking sure. hooking up antennas to poles, but if someone says they're a Marine, there's like a 97% chance that they're they're talking about the Oorah branch of that mm-hmm. service, not like aircraft mechanics or whatever. Yeah. But... When he says that she's a recon, he says that her gear is a recon marine. That's like the special forces of the of the marines. So like, mm-hmm. I guess I've got a new appreciation for how badass Bobby is. Yeah, they really sell it in this scene. Uh, did you do you think that that suit's bulletproof? Because I couldn't tell. Because he said she's that's recon gear. She could force feed you that weapon if she wanted you to. <laughs> is she bulletproof th- or is that just saying like before you pulled the trigger, she would have you underground bleeding? Yeah, I, I think it's the recognition there in the soldier that right. that she's a badass. Not we're that her we're fly boys is, and girls, and she is uh, yeah. she's a Tonka truck. Because what <laughs> in in the recon like she's basically wearing the skin suit that goes under the power armor here. So right. why would she need bullet? protection when that suit is designed to go inside the power armor i guess but the power armor hand, itself is a bullet protection on the other hand like you know if you can make it out of kevlar why wouldn't you yeah i suppose so uh uh so bobby i because here's the thing and i guess it's growth of her character or maybe it's, it's actually regression to her natural leadership ability that she just dis- displayed a lot in season two she goes i get it 
you know, you want to fight the enemy, you want to do your duty, you want to honor your fallen comrades, but the important thing is to figure out who the enemy really is, and these people aren't it. And the male Martian that's still conscious is like, yeah, 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 listen to her, listen to her, I don't want to die. <laughs> the female, I think, is Lochte, uh, which who cares, we'll never see her again, surrenders mm-hmm. her gun and Alex, and then Amos comes in, throws the unconscious <laughs> Marine to the ground and says, damn, did I miss it? Yeah. Uh, you did, you did, Amos. Maybe next time. They had him carrying that guy with one arm. And right. I don't know if that's because they weren't under thrust at the time. I think they were. I think they are, yeah. Okay, so they're just showing Amos is a badass. Being a badass, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, look at him. Uh, <laughs> back on Earth, Anna is furious mm-hmm. with uh, Esteban. Uh, and, but Aaron Wright says the polls look good, and the Secretary General enjoys universal Terran support for his actions. And Anna says, you didn't have to be his puppet. You could have done the right thing. I always thought a decent man was buried under all this ambition, but I was fucking wrong. In scene. And Aaron Wright never gets to talk to her again. Yeah. Which probably. I have to doubt. I have to doubt. I don't think she's going back. There's no way, right? I just can't believe. This doesn't just end here. I just can't believe that Aaron Wright is this smug about, like, it's it's almost like he's got his hand up the Secretary General's ass. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know, as she's calling him a puppet, like, you'd think that... It's a that, Frank Underwood kind of situation, Yeah, right? like, may, you'd think that, like, if this guy's as, as, as ambitious and pride and vainful as you think, that, like, these things would... These insults would find their mark, and Aaron Wright's not doing anything to, you know, assuage that, that, that read of the situation. I suppose confident in his grip on Esteban. He's got a grip, all right. Uh, anyway, Alex and Naomi are finishing up patching the KC. Uh, they, she mentions it's nice to be working on something this easy to repair. And then Amos, with the coldest look in the universe, says, yeah, some things just don't get fixed. <laughs> Damn, Alex. Yeah, so so, uh, so, so Amos, Amos yeah. is uh, – I said Alex, but it's Amos. Uh, yeah. a- Amos is still fuck you, Naomi. Mm-hmm. Uh, he might be the only one on the boat that still is. 100% sure. Yeah, I, I would buy that. How are you gonna like? How are they gonna? How are they gonna fix this? Or maybe they just don't. Uh, I I mean, I would guess that Naomi would have to prove herself some other way, yeah. rechange his mind essentially hmm. about who she is. Uh, so uh, Holden brings the most reasonable of the Martians, the one of the least amount of backbone, if you want to interpret it that way, uh, into the plan, and he calls a meeting in the galley with uh, the Martian himself. Uh, Bobby and uh, Christian Avasarala, and she says that the war is a lie. Like this is just like you, you framing it like Osama bin Laden. <laughs> it really is like if you if you start plugging in like okay, Christian is like uh, Donald Rumsfeld, and like like it's mm-hmm. it is like just this guy is absorbing a lot of stuff. And she's saying, look, show this video to your commanding officer and ask him to pass along to Admiral Souther, uh, and also we're going to rebuild the casing and give it to you. Yeah. Or we can chuck you out the airlock. I kind of wish they didn't do that. Like they threaten him? Yeah, like like uh, fucking Avastral. Every time I think that you're turning a corner, and you're not a ruthless, uh, frigid, ice cold, well, bitch. Uh, you, you go. <laughs> she would go call threaten, herself that. Y- yeah, for right. Sure. You'd go. You go and threaten the 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 the. Uh, I mean, Souther called her a son of a bitch, which is uh-huh. misgendering her and uh, insulting her. So, like, why can't I? Uh, but, but like, threatening to space these young Martians, like, that's come on, man. Don't, don't, don't be a fucking war criminal. I do like the larger thing here, though. She's giving the message to both sides. Yes. Right. So, in case the the gambit with Volovadov doesn't work, then 
maybe something could come of the Martian thing. Right. Um, and, and the Martians will also understand this was orchestrated, that this was all engineered. And it does take two sides to kind of have a war, right? Sure, sure. That, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like, if they can realize that, oh, Aaron Wright is kind of a rogue element within right. the government, and he's the cause of all this. Because Aaron Wright can't control the press. Like, she, if, like she can Mar- maybe calm if the, things if down. If the Martians just start uh, unilaterally disarming and standing down, like, that's a big risk because Mar- uh, Earth could come in and pound them. But yeah. you'd think the press, because, like, I'm just guessing that there's probably embedded reporters on both sides of the fleet. Like, mm-hmm. you know, this stuff will get out. Uh-huh. Yeah, and if she can, you know, get this message out, through another channel that Aaron Wright has no control over, then he can't do anything to quash it, you know, like like he could with Anna, potentially. Let me ask you this, because you understand the world better than I. As an Earther, can you go on a street corner and buy a Martian newspaper? Can you watch, like, MNN? I don't know, actually. Or is there like a I big have very little insight separation? into the the society on Earth? Like very I'm wondering, little. like like you know, like we're talking about the country music, la- like like is Martian country music popular on Earth? Right. I imagine Earth popular culture is probably popular on Mars. Uh, I imagine it's tough to stop like broadcast from Mars, right? Like if they're true. broadcasting to the planet, then right. Earth is eventually going to get those signals. Yeah. So they're going to get like 95.5 Cause, WFMS right. W. F Mars station <laughs> yeah, yeah. on Earth. Uh, I, I just trying to figure out, like, relatively speaking, how free the societies are. Because mm-hmm. we've seen a good, like, like, like the Belters don't seem free at all. They seem like a completely colo- like a colonized space. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and Earth, like, it, or, like Earth, like, is there still freedom of press of, and like all that other stuff? Freedom of speech. I don't know any more than you. Honestly, more totalitarian. I don't. I don't know. Uh, Anna talks to her wife, uh, who's still holding things down at the missionary, uh, and she's glad she's coming home, but in tones, is it the best thing that you can do? Uh, you know, she's scared for her daughter. She feels like she's failed and she hasn't changed anything. She's just been tricked by the secretary general again, uh, and says, I'm coming home and then gets a message and it's the Aaron Wright message. Uh, to Jean-Pierre threatening him. I truly love the joke in here about being humbled by an an interplanetary war. Right. Like, God has chosen to humble you in the least humble way possible. Right. Why couldn't you just, like, you know, make my hair fall out? Or Yeah, Yeah, it's just, like, that's the the height of hubris is thinking this is all about you. That's not a humbling experience. Right. Uh, (laughs) Bobby is... uh, working out the Frank Underwood way. Did you recognize that? I, I couldn't see past the MCRN branded yoga balls, <laughs> frankly, which I thought were hilarious. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's like the the same kind of, you can buy that for like 5,000 bucks, but it's essentially yeah, that water a, wheel. It's, it's a water wheel rower that uses real water and paddle resistance yeah. to give you an unpre- and that's Frank Underwood's uh, signature move through the first three seasons of House of Cards. Which, yeah, I mean, other than like that you know, and stretchy band molesting boys <laughs> oh, apparently uh is was was yeah. the deal there but I, it's it's funny how much ikea shit is passed off as future tech and then like you know you got a fancy rowing machine and that's future tech and is there a lot of ikea shit in here oh i mean i'm just i've just seen it all over like huh. if you look in any random bar on taiko there's gonna oh, okay. be lighting yeah, that's yeah. pulled right out of ikea someone on right. reddit just posted that like may was playing with a clothes hanger that was mm-hmm. like turned upside down and spray painted. It's a fun toy for kids. <laughs> Called like, Yapelgung or something. It's the Yapelgung. It's uh-huh. it was the most popular Christmas present in twenty four thirty nine. It was the tickle me Elmo of that year. It was. 
so she's working out, and uh, Alex comes in the room, and she he thanks her for intervening and saving his life, and she says, "I couldn't let him kill the only decent cook." Uh, and he and, and and assures her that they didn't lie to those Martians. They cut them loose because they thought they could save lives, and the ship is space worthy. And then Bobby flirts with him. Did I read that correctly? She hmm. says, "Hey, sailor." Let's start waging a war on that gut with a big smile on her face. I, it's certainly friendly. I don't know. I got a very I don't flirty know. vibe, and he's the only Martian around. And the thing is, like, because I was reading on, because I, I thank God that the Expanse has uh, has subdivided a wiki in the TV and book, so I can read the Bobby. And I, the, I guess Bobby's supposed to be thirty five years old or something like that. Because at first I'm like, well, she's like 20, <laughs> and he's like at least in his 40s. Yeah, yeah. What do I? But I don't. I don't know. Like I've all the pairings, I never saw Alex and Bobby. But it does. Like I, I read it as very flirty. Like, hey, sailor, is yeah. is in that tone of voice is a is is a uh, is provocative. Sure, I could buy that. I, I think they might be not incompatible because i think you know as martians they can relate to each other right and they're both levels driven that, that the humans or belters or the humans the earthers or belters couldn't right right uh so maybe the problems that alex had with his family holding him down probably wouldn't apply with bobby yeah um i don't know uh i, I just n- never considered that pairing before and uh wasn't shocked or outraged i just i, I, I don't know but then you didn't even pick it up as flirting so maybe I'm just off base. Not in particular, but maybe. Also, Alex, what fucking gut are you talking about, Bobby? I mean, by Martian standards. He's lost standards. that gut. Season one, Alex, yes. Season one, Alex has a gut. Season three, Alex, is looking mostly trimmed up. All right. Well. I mean, by marine standards, sure. Right. Sure. Uh, a per- body fat percentage above 11 is probably going to be too much for Bobby. But. Right. If Bobby wanted to wage war on my gut, I'd be, yes, sir. <laughs> sure. We will get right away on that gunny. Uh, Naomi uh, confronts, starts to confront James with the, you can't help saving everyone. His face is so busted up, man. <laughs> and funny. this lighting just makes it look even worse. And they're in between the ladder. They got that separation. And she turns around and says, thank you, I guess, for being. Yeah, he looks like he just bit somebody's neck out. Like he's a zombie that just. <laughs> he, does, I, he looks in the blue lighting like like pre-proto-molecule. Yeah. Like he's got the stage two serum in him. He's pre-mass injection, <laughs> but. Not quite ready for phase three. Uh, and he says, I'm glad they're okay. So he's keeping about the Martians, but there's definitely a softening there by yeah, both of them. For sure. Uh, do you have a read on Naomi, what she's actually trying to say? Like, thank you for being the person that you are. Uh, Maybe. I don't know, because I, I guess I'm reading all these situations from the other direction. Hmm. Like, what are people saying about their relationship with Naomi versus the other well, way around? Because she's not in a position to repair the relationship. I think it also informs us, like, maybe that Christian's meth- way of, like, not favoring either side, but trying to be a plain broker and, and dealer of truth between the two sides is starting to warm over Naomi, because, yeah. I mean, that's that's got to be part of it, right? Like, like we're supposed to understand mm-hmm. that the fact that she's not outraged that they took an, like that that she's trusting his judgment, which implies that she trusts his judgment about Avasarala. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, back on IO, May is abusing Strickland's staff, kicking him in the shins. She sees it. <laughs> she she's got a simple policy. She sees a shin, she kicks it. Yeah, 
and uh, Jean Jean Pierre steps in, and he she says she quite reasonably. I want to see my friend Katoa. Uh, I also want to go home. I want to see my daddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, all these are reasonable demands, and he tries to put her off, and she gets decides that does Jean Pierre is no help. Uh, this this damn Frenchman is not going to help her one bit. So she runs off to find them with Mao in hot pursuit. Uh, she gets like down this like deserted broom closet, and uh, I think at this point Mao thinks that Kato is dead, uh, and Strickland yes. is lied. Strickland to him. has said as much. So he finds his doors locked, and he orders Strickland to be brought to him immediately. And it looks like there's going to be an ass whipping. And that seems to be the body language because Strickland's not happy to be drugged down by one of Mal's goons. Mm-hmm. And he's forced to open the door, and he's given a bunch of excuses. But they open the door, and it's a god-awful scene. Katoa has disassembled, uh, in the, the Johnny Five sense of the word, one of these nurses. And it's, it's, yeah. it's one of the more gruesome scenes. Like, this is fucking Hannibal shit. Uh, yeah, I mean, Westworld has nothing on this. I mean, it's just late. It's very... It reminded me a little bit of, like, some of the stuff we saw in Annihilation. Like, okay. it's yeah. art artfully done, but gruesome as hell. And it feels more mechanical than that. It feels yeah. more like an engineer taking apart a ship, perhaps, like the Arbogast. And that's know? what that's what he, he says. He says he talks a, sh- a bunch of shit about bandwidth and distance being irrelevant. Disassembly reveals useful pathways inherent to repurposing. So he's essentially studying the human body. And what it's capable of before he absorbs it and repurposes it. Yeah. And for some reason, Jean, Jean, Jean-Pierre uh, decides that because the boy is in communication with the rest of the protomolecule infestations, that Strickland is suddenly right to continue. He's the key to everything. And I'm a little bit, what the fuck? Yeah, it's a big flip on on Jules Pierre Mao's uh, part here. Like Jules Pierre Mao, that guy. Yeah, yeah. That's how you, you mispronounced it. I'm sorry, sorry. I have to correct you. Sorry, uh, I'll try better next time. <laughs> try harder. Oh, oh, oh. If you want to really speak it authentically, you got to throw in. Oh, oh. But yeah, he does uh, after every take. It's it's really <laughs> actually disruptive for the filming right, process. But. Right. These things come in at a hefty one oh five, uh, uh, 105 uh-huh. minutes, and they have to cut out all the until <laughs> they get cut yeah. out all the offensive French. They do. Uh, they do stereotypes. Yes, right. uh, but no, <laughs> I, I, it's shocking to me in some ways, and right. and in other ways, completely makes sense that Mao would see this. But he's a completely. It just shows how completely fucked up this guy is, right? Mm-hmm. Like any any means are justified by the end, right? Except for, well, no, including torturing children, as long as there's an end in sight. I mean, I guess I'd almost buy that um, if, like, Venus looked like it was going to be an existential threat to the solar system, and it probably is going to be. But, like, what, uh, to me, I don't see how this is any more progress than we've already seen being made. Although, I guess... Uh, Jean Pierre, Jean, Jean Jules Pierre doesn't have no, uh, any information about all the other scientists and stuff that's going on. Like who, who fucking, who did uh, Dawes make off with that scientist? Like there's a whole bunch of research about the protomolecules and how they could communicate at a distance and a lot of stuff. Like, like I, I don't understand why this is seen as a breakthrough because this seems right. like it's something that Holden deduced after two minutes staring at a fucking star map. Right. Like, it's like if we uh, knew Earth like put a man on the moon and then sometime later got excited about 
a you know uh, a bi propellant rocket. Uh-huh. Like my God, this changes everything. Like, sir, we've been to the moon. No, this shut up. This changes everything. <laughs> and he's we can get the low Earth orbit with this. Like, come on, Mal's the guy who's been orchestrating this, so he should yeah know right. about all of that stuff. Right. I mean, I get it being excited by, but I just don't understand how like oh, great you duplicated the very initial stages of the project that was going on for years. Congratulations, Strickland. Or maybe that is a breakthrough. The, the only thing I can think of is they stumbled into, what was it, the Phoebe, the mutation. The Phoebe station? Well, and also this is the, stuff the, the before, significant... Yeah. Before he was able to collect the data on it. Like, right. There, there were active experiments going on at that time, right? And then when Holden and uh, Miller stumble into that situation, yeah. then all hell breaks loose and they end up having to destroy the station yeah and, and, and so maybe he didn't get the info that they right. had acquired and the twist here is that there's this biological mutation with the children that might make it more malleable or easy to control mm-hmm. which that also i buy but on the other hand this kid just gutted a nurse and like there's no indication that Ma- mal or strickland are afraid yeah which they should be they should be and yeah. now you're going to start mass injecting? You're going to turn this into, like, one of the other, like, uh, to me, again, what is what what is the break? Like, to me, the breakthrough is having a measure of control over this thing, and they don't seem like they do. No. So, I don't know. Good luck with that, gentlemen. I was really on board with uh, Mal being, like, a flawed villain, kind of, and it seems like they've just kind of reversed that in this episode. I don't know how I feel about it. I'm not bitching about it, by the way. I'm just saying I'm trying to understand. Yeah. So... That's all we got for the episode. Do you have any th- closing thoughts? Uh, on the episode itself? No, yeah. but our listeners do. Before we get to feedback, I want to tell you about the club. You can support Bald Move by going to club.baldmove.com and signing up. And coincidentally, we are running a sale on memberships. Uh, if you go to club.baldmove.com and use WW2018. What, what does WW for... stand for? It stands for... World Whippers. That's the new Martian uh, mega weapon. I know the one thing it does not stand for is Westworld. It does not stand it for Westworld, not. no. It's no. it's it's entirely an expanse-based promotion that has nothing to do with the HBO show with Westworld. With the much larger, more popular show that we're yes. also covering right yes. now. But you can get you can get a, a 25% discount on an annual membership to the club for the next 30 days uh, from here until the end of May by going to club.baldmove.com and using WW2018. And you get a lot of cool stuff. Not only do you get to support the podcast, but you never have to listen to another ad on our net shows because we got ad-free feeds. We got exclusive uh, bonus content, like we just dropped a quip, uh, which is where Jim and I essentially invent uh, fictitious TV shows and pitch what they would be about to each other, and hopefully it's funny and interesting. Uh, last man, last quip was an all time like that. The days and nights of apes. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, yeah, that's that's the sample track right now on club.baldmove.com. Yeah, by by the way, all of the bonus features you can take for a test drive at club.baldmove.com, and when you sign up, you get a free month free. Unless you're signing up for the club promotion. You don't have to pay for that free month. You don't have to pay for that free month. If you go to club.baldmove.com, don't forget WW2018 if you want 25% off of all new annual memberships. Have yeah. A, we have we a get, couple of emails. Before you get the email, I want to do, like I said, this this country music thread is on Reddit. I thought this was really fun. I woke up this morning, and I checked the Expanse uh, Reddit, and someone's had this thread. It's like, what kind of things do you think the Mariner Valley country music would be about? And I'm like, huh. 
That's like something we talked about on our podcast last week. And I'll, by God, uh, this Olo 808 was citing our podcast and nice. and uh, kind of brainstorming with Reddit about what that stuff would be. And here's what they came up with. <laughs> yeah, I read through this. It's really good. It's pretty good. Intrepid Dusk says it'd be about uh, top-rated comment, mush- mushroom steak saving for chicken once a week and a sweet, sweet taste of beef before shipping out. <laughs> Also, Martians seem to be weirdly obsessed with oceans, so I imagine there'd be some songs about that. Mm. That's a good call. There'd yeah. probably be a lot of, of pining for the oceans of past and ho- yearning for the oceans of, of the future, future. Yep. and knowing that you're not going to be the generation to see either. Yeah. I mean, I, the more I think about it, like, bluegrass and Mars seem like a really good cultural fit. Uh-huh. Uh, it'd be like like Wagner, Wagner and country music would be very popular on Mars. Uh, Mojo is man. Uh, Mojo Reisman, I think. Uh, my guess at the playlist: two person hab, one vacancy. Uh, I fixed the hole in the dome. Won't someone fix this hole in my heart? Mm, yeah, good one. Uh, traveling space soldier. She broke my heart like Earth's gravity. <laughs> Ethanol for my cart and mushroom whiskey for my pals. Uh, pretty good. Uh, San Paku says this will be about trucks, dirt roads, girls, and Daisy Dukes. Only under the domes, though. You can't strut out in the Martian atmosphere, oh, Daisy no. Dukes. Wait, that that is just country music, right? Like, yeah, so far. Th- there's nothing Martian flavored there. What else? Getting what dust else in one's underwear. Okay. Eh, I've, I've driven down some dirt roads in the south. Still, yeah, plausibly just country uh, music. Low percolate soil. Pink okay. skies. Finding love in a radiation shelter during a solar flare. Now okay. we're getting Martian. Yeah, ooh, I like that one. Uh, That's a good one. Bedavir brings things down a bit. Navy pilots that never return home. Damn. Damn. Damn, Alex. <laughs> that's maybe, like that's maybe... like the country music song, the Martian country music that goes over like a Martian marine movie. Uh-huh. Like that's the background track to it. I, I think Mar- I think Alex needs to learn how to play a steel guitar and, and compose that one himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, spork side, not enough water, not enough whiskey. Uh, <laughs> uh, one-sided dice, darling, share my hab, but in the morning I'm going back to terraforming. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, so that's uh, that's some good stuff. I, I thanks for thanks for brightening my morning there. Reddit. Uh, what do you got on the email side of things, there, Jim? If you want to send that, you can do that at expanse at baldmove dot com. By the way, if you if you're uh, if if you're unfamiliar with Reddit, um, it's just a collection of communities and the expanse community that you can find at reddit dot com slash r slash the expanse is pretty great, pretty great. You should check it out. Uh, what do we got for email, Jim? Uh, we got Trevor, who's talking about a conspicuous absence of one technology that would probably be around. Uh, Pornography. Which, which we may we may have possibly uh, rectified this episode, but okay. let's see. Trevor says, I can't think of one instance of a robot slash droid in the expanse. There seems to be plenty of AI inside the various tools, software utilized by humans, but no C-3PO's milling around. Uh, I do remember messenger drones flying around tubes in Sirius Station, but that it, that is basically present-level tech. Uh, are there droids in the books? I thought maybe it was a clever cost-cutting move by the production staff. Uh, and if so, it worked since I'm two seasons in and love the show and never noticed until now. Um, I I will have to say mildly interesting on droids uh, in the books because I can't really talk about the books. Uh, although you're right, we did see drones. We do see drones, which yeah, are which robots, are basically like off the shelf quadcopter sure, sure. Kind of drones. Yeah, well, I'm talking about the drones that like oh, the, uh, the, move the, the space around. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but this comes back to like my idea of of AI in the future is yeah. not 
to put it into a human form, but to make it more purpose-built. Right. Like, why do you want to try to build a robot that can do everything when you don't need most robots to do everything? Right. Like, Amazon doesn't need a person to go around and pick their shelves. They just have robots with fucking arms that grab packages. Like, sure. That's all that it needs to do. But that does feel, and we've talked about this in other science fiction, that's the one thing that almost all science fiction seems like it's getting wrong, which is how ubiquitous and advanced automation and AI is going to be in the future. Like, sure. there's no fucking good reason that Holden has to go out in spacesuits to salvage shit. Like, that should look mm-hmm. like uh, three or four of those things that James Cameron used to film the Titanic. Like, uh-huh. for space. Like, it's got six-axis thrusters and a couple of claw arms, and it goes there and grabs right. the stuff and gets out. Why do you risk human lives? Why do you have humans mining ice asteroids? Like, mm-hmm. I think it adds to the gr- gritty kind of noir to expanse to essentially, like, maybe that's true, but but human life is still cheaper than automation. Could be. Yeah. I don't think that's true, and it would never be true in this future, but everybody gets that wrong. Like like look at the they do. Look at the look at the Star Trek. Like people were still using like isolinear chips and shit to store data. They didn't foresee that there would be a cloud in the 21st century that replaces all physical media and physical media is already becoming kind of gauche or like maybe it's a throwback like oh you still listen to compacts discs or you know like they just no one can get Everyone gets stuff wrong, and I think what what science fiction now, even good hard science fiction now, gets wrong is is that automation and AI tech. Because there should be super advanced artificial intelligence that we're interfacing with. There should be some sort of automated drones and probes, and they wouldn't look human, but they would. I mean, I guess the med bay is a good example of, like, what you're saying. Like, that's all, like, you Mm -hmm. stick your arm here, and it just goes to work, you know? Yep. Very little, like, human interaction needed. Um, But, yeah. Uh, MP says, can you talk a little bit about how the suspension of disbelief element is handled in both series? Uh, he's talking about Expanse and Westworld here, since these are the, the two major sci-fi shows that are the on right now. dueling sci-fi. Uh, he says, I've been a fan of both and uh, find that the Expanse is just a lot tighter in narrative and character development. I guess looking for hints and second-guessing what I'm seeing on screen has reached a point where... The returns on the suspense are diminishing in Westworld. Mm-hmm. Uh, would it make sense now that they have established the major story arcs in Westworld to focus a little more on the narrative and characters, maybe a tinge less on the de- the deception and confusion? What are your thoughts? Is there a comparison to be made on Westworld and The Expanse when it comes to what they prioritize in their storytelling? Uh, yeah, I mean, The Expanse is not a mystery box. It does definitely has mysteries, but it's much more driven by its plot. And, yeah. and and characters where the expanse or Westworld is driven by themes and imagery and figuring out what the hell is going on from moment to moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think there's there's definitely room for both. Like it's I I the very first article was written this week, the, the projecting that Westworld is going to go along the lines of Lost, which is a science fiction show about people stuck in an island that just continues to get more and more <laughs> mysterious and collapses under its own weight. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it's pretty premature to write that article, but absolutely. But someone's going to write it. Might you know? Uh, might as well be now. What do you think? Yeah, I I think you can't watch these two shows for the same reasons because I think there's absolutely a a sacrifice made in character development in Westworld where they they fill it in with mystery and they fill it in with some very conceptual interesting themes. 
Right. Um, whereas The Expanse doesn't try to do that. The Expanse is more like Breaking Bad, which you know is very character and plot driven. Right. Uh, and if you try and watch, like I, I can't even imagine what someone would think about trying to watch The Expanse like Westworld. You just can't do it, right? There, mm-hmm. there. That element isn't there, and I think the same applies in the other direction. Hmm. So, yeah, they're they're two very, very different shows, and you have to enjoy them for the reasons that you can enjoy them. I mean, I guess the Westworld the challenge is if you dispense with the mis- mystery, the misery, the mystery, <laughs> the misery, and the mystery. Uh-huh. What do you have left? And right now, in the early goings of season two, the answer is not much. Sure. Whereas once, you know, every once in a while, Expanse will get mysterious about the protomolecule and what it all means. But once you dismiss all that, what do you got left? Very tight, you know, uh, uh, low-boiling political thriller with a lot of interesting characters and a lot of different Mm -hmm. factions. And Westworld asks, you know, what does it mean to be human? Yeah. Expanse says we're human. What what would we do in this situation? Like it's it's mm-hmm. a whole it's a whole different thing. It's one's more philosophy and one's more practical. Yep. Um, and I, I I enjoy them both. And that's all we've got for emails um, this week. So yeah, it is a it's a damn shame that uh, like I mean the, the both of the shows are kind of nichey because like yeah. Westworld it's not like Game of Thrones it's not a hundred times bigger than Expanse it's like three times bigger audience wise than Expanse. Yeah, I think it was clocking in at two point something million, low yeah. two millions. I noticed speaking of Reddit that people were bemoaning like the relative dearth of merch and the fact that you can't buy like an Expanse t shirt on sci fi. What do you, I I kind of agree. Like if you've got a sci fi store on mm-hmm. the website and they do, the yeah. fuck can't I buy like a, a cool Rossinati t shirt? Why yeah, can't I, I buy like a like some so a shirt that's got like some spray painted belt a loader bullshit on it? Like yeah. Or just like a hat that says "Expanse." Like I, I get it. There's like four hundred thousand people, five hundred thousand people watching this, but mm-hmm. you get a hundred nerds in Expanse gear going to Gen Con and and San Diego Comic Con and stuff like that. And you, like we got to show this small. Like all that word of mouth is super valuable because yeah, unlike Westworld, what... where gallons of Hollywood ink is being sp- yeah. spilled every fucking week and every fucking season, Expanse has to really scrap for that stuff. So like. I don't know. Here's, I'm not going to give sci-fi too much shit about this, but I I don't quite understand. I, I don't have a good concept of how I would market sci-fi. Um, yeah. Because sci-fi's reputation, for the most part, has been one of just putting out schlock and really just crap. And if... And with like a tongue in cheek vibe to it, right? Like it's it's in on the joke. Sharknado. It's exactly sloth shark. It's squid shark. It's and I guess like they've leaned so far into that. I don't know how you bring it back around in a serious and and quick enough manner to really advertise the expanse to people. Yeah, it's almost like this weird. Uh, anachronism is not the right word but this this strange thing within the ecosphere of sci-fi like this and Battlestar Galactica were kind of right the odd man out I guess it'd be kind of like going back to season two and three of Mad Men and Breaking Bad and asking why AMC.com doesn't have merch for that right why can't I buy a Don Draper Halloween mask AMC (laughs) had been you know shitty runs of colorized classic movies and stuff like that and they tried to get into this like so I I guess sci-fi is doing the same thing where like you know hey we're doing we're doing good work again 
Mm-hmm. And we've got all this this crop of original shows that are done with the, you know reasonably big budgets and you know uh, a, a degree of faithfulness to the material and whatnot. You know, so maybe it's premature. Maybe they're like not even at that stage. Like could be, yeah. but you know, I I I, I don't think it'd be a big money maker for them, like yeah. Expanse merch. But I I don't think that's the point. It's more of like how can Mind you get, share how do you got thing. the yeah the fans that you've got engaged? How can you keep them passionate and, and engaged, and also turn them into evangelists? I I have a spoiler alert for you. Do you? We're part of that. For you know, for as much as like we can influence people we are you know like we have an audience of far more people um who watch like game of thrones and watch yeah. mr robot and all these shows right. and when we tell them look we're watching the expanse and we think and it's we great. think it's the one of the best science fiction shows on tv right now right sci-fi has proved to us that there's something to this show yeah and maybe that's a better marketing tool that's a better place to spend their money getting other people talking about it than trying to sell t-shirts with a logo that's so cool that somebody goes online and says, what's Expanse? So basically, and and to, to, to make sure people don't get us twisted, it's not like sci-fi recruited us. That would no, have been no, smart. No. It would have been smart for them <laughs> yeah, to... Absolutely would have been, yeah. Here's like, a great show we're putting out. Will you talk about it? Well, like, like it wouldn't... Like, it, it, it would not be a bad idea for yeah. the Expanse to send a, a crate of cool Expanse gear to some, <laughs> you know, to the offices of the Ringer and the Nerdist and... Right. Earwolf and all the other... Like, whoever's talking... Or put on like, a media event to bring them in. I'm sure they... They right. have after buzz, the all that them. kind of stuff. Yeah, I know. Like you know, they're they're they've got San Diego Comic Con panels. Right. And they you know probably do stuff right at the the TSAs and all that. I'm just saying that like, I don't know. I don't know. I just wish the best for you guys. They haven't um, they haven't announced renewal for season four. Uh, someone pointed out on Reddit that that I think it was like not till episode six or seven that they did for last season. Would you be nervous if we get well, – at what point in the season do you get nervous that they haven't announced a renewal? I guess, like, a couple months after the season ends. Oh, so you're saying even – like, you're not, not even going to be – because here's I mean, the thing. I, I think this – the phenomenon of renewing shows before they've even fucking aired their latest season is a relatively new thing. I think shows but, typically don't do that. But. I do think people, like, on shows that are troubled, they like, you know, like, a fans, the, 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 the fans that are enthusiastic and passionate about it like seeing a vote of confidence from the parent company. Mm-hmm. And, you yeah. know, I think to the extent that, you know, people don't want this to become another Firefly saying that you're committed. Because I, I guess that's the one thing is, like, you know, ratings for season one and two of Breaking Bad and, and uh, Mad Men, to draw a comparison, it was essentially Dog Piss Jones, Dog Piss Jones, season three reason pretty big leap ahead for breaking bad not as big but season three of expanse has not been a giant leap forward like no. you know so and i guess that's maybe would be concerning for them but what are they trying yeah. like that's the thing it's like i don't know like I, to me i think i i hope as a selfish fan that expanse gets to tell the whole story i do you know too. and i think it would be like it'd, it'd be a very defining if they continue to pump money into it and budget into it, it'll be a, one of the defining science fiction shows of our generation. Um, and that's got to have value. That's got to have value in syndication. It's got to have value, value yeah. on Netflix. It's got to have, like, like even if it's not, even if it's not in evidence right now, I mean, I don't know. But then again, that's a, that's I'm not the one paying the bills for it. Here's what I hope happens. And the beginning of this is going to, you're going to say, fuck you, Jim. I don't want to hear this. Uh, I hope rather than giving them, like, 
a message of hey this is a final season for you guys uh-huh. they will just cancel the thing because that would leave the door open for somebody like Netflix to come in and revive this thing. Fuck you, Jim. I don't want to hear this. No, I, I okay, I'm, I'm actually on board. Yeah, because I, I what I don't want to happen is to say, hey, we've got these nine book series that we're mm-hmm. like barely, if that, three books into telling the story right. of, and now we've got one season to wrap it all up. Right. That would fucking suck, especially since the books haven't been finalized yet. You know, right. the, the final two books aren't out. They don't know the end of the story. They couldn't write to the end of this thing. So... And trying to do it all in one season would be stupid. So what I would hope would happen is that sci-fi would just drop it, mm-hmm. and then Netflix would come in and pick or it, it up. Be revived, or, Hulu, or it could be revived, or there could be a series of movies, or it could be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Because that's one of the things I didn't like about the Firefly movie, uh, Serenity, yeah. is just like, it felt, I like, I mean, I do like it, and maybe it's the only Firefly we'd have gotten, but it did kind of put the lid on, fut- like, like for better or worse, f- more future it was very definitive yeah and and, and f- finale feeling oh yeah <laughs> and i same way like a couple years back i was really into penny dreadful and they got canceled and instead of just kind of leaving it they, they tried to like do a shotgun approach to their what what they thought was going to be the epic end to the series and it just didn't work and it kind of cheapened yeah. everything that came before i'd have much rather had a very complete but a complete season that was incomplete. It was building something that we never got to. Because then you can you can have movies. You can have right. like I mean, look at fucking X Files. Like comes back for like six episodes here and there. You can do stuff like that whenever you scrape together some budget and yeah. some times pass. But if you just slam the door shut on it, or, or if you if, if you yeah. if you're just like okay, let's 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 just solve the proto molecule because we know we only have thirteen more episodes. Yeah. and you, everything's rush 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 hurry 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 like that that would that would suck. Mm-hmm. I agree. If you're going to cancel it, just cancel it and leave it adrift because yeah. then someone can salvage it. Preferably, I think this union of sci-fi and the creative team and mm-hmm. the, the production staff and the cast, I, I think, has been excellent. So mm-hmm. preferably, I would like for it to not be canceled on sci-fi yeah. and to run its natural course. Or if it's canceled, if it gets picked up by the likes of Netflix as quick as possible so they can... Yeah, capitalize on the momentum that it already yeah. has. Like, like, yeah. like, just like Netflix but Netflix would give pop- it such a bigger audience. Like, Possibly. I think Netflix has a much bigger audience than sci-fi has. That's true. That's true. And they have a way to just push eyeballs to things. Yeah. Like, whether you like it or not. No, tell me about yeah, it. Kevin ne- James is on my fucking homepage right now. <laughs> even though I've thumbs down every single movie he's in and his buddies. Uh, God damn it. Yep. Yep. Uh, so yeah, they could they could they could do that. All right. Well, that's enough. I think meta expanse discussion for this week. If you'd like to send us feedback, you can do so at expanse at baldmove dot com. Uh, every week we have a forum on the uh, we have a, a post on the forum to discuss the latest episode at forums dot com. You can follow all of the what we do in social media and uh, at at baldmove slash baldmove whatever the case may be and uh, also you know baldmove dot com. If you're curious about what else we're doing or Westworld coverage, uh, we just did a I thought a pretty good podcast on Infinity War last year or last week. Mm, we yeah. do some first run movies. We do lots, all kinds of stuff. Check it out at baldmove.com and we will see you next week. Again, these podcasts drop uh, essentially 15 minutes after the episode starts airing. Mm-hmm. Just so we don't accidentally fuck up the spoiler embargo. But it, it, it's all ready for you to, uh, to enjoy. And until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya. <laughs>